Hey guys, I want to welcome you all to Rock Fellowship today. I want to welcome you to church. Uh, whether this is uh, whether you're always here or this is your first time here or it's your first time in a while back at church, we're so thankful that you would spend this time with us. And, and just want to say a quick hello to our online audience as well. We're so glad and thankful that you're joining us, whether you're in Alaska or Arizona or Southern California. Uh, we are starting a new series today, and this is why it's actually a really good weekend to be at church, because we're starting a brand new series today, and everyone is on the same page. And the series is called The Four Advent Words, The Four Advent Words. And um, the reason why we're doing this series, or partly the reason why, is because we are in what is traditionally known as Advent season. And some of you guys probably have no idea what that is. Advent season is essentially the four weeks before Christmas, and so that's actually starting now. And uh, so for the next four weeks, we're in this thing called Advent season. And um, what we're going to be doing in the Advent season is we're going to be focusing on, as the title indicates, four words. Now, i got to be honest with you. The reason we're doing this series is actually not because it's December and not because Christmas is coming. And it's actually not even because it's Advent season. The reason why we are doing this series is because these four words are extremely powerful words. And I wanted to talk about these four words and kind of this season just made it, kind of wrapped a nice bow around and made it a really simple and easy way to talk about these four very, very powerful, powerful words. These are words that I think will change your life. I think these are words that if you internalize them and internalize what they mean biblically, not actually from a, just from our English language, but what they mean from the Bible, it'll change so much of your life. And so I'm so thankful that you're joining us today in person or online for this new series as we begin talking about these four Advent words. And these are words that you know. Like, I didn't make up words, okay? I didn't uh, come up with brand new words. They're not new spellings. They're not new, like, they're not, there's nothing funky going on. These are four very normal words that you all know and that you have some understanding and probably a definition for. But what we're going to do is as we go through the, uh, the, the series, we're going to unpack really like the biblical understanding of these four words. And you're going to find that it's much richer much deeper and much more meaningful. And when we apply them and when we stick them in our hearts and stick them in our brains and we begin to live life with these words as, as kind of operative words for our lives, our lives will change. So let me show you the four words. I'm going to show I, I debated whether or not to show the words. Like, oh man, maybe I should make it like all spicy and make you anticipate and, and just tease it. But I was like, no, it doesn't make sense. These words are amazing words. Again, they're not going to blow your mind when you first see them on the screen. But as we talk and unpack them, you're going, to be, you're going to be really, really blessed, I think. So here are the four words, the four Advent words. Shalom, yachal, chara, and agape. Or in the English version, peace, hope, joy, and love. So each week, we're going to take one of these words. We're going to introduce it to you. We're going to unpack it. And then what we're going to do at the very end of the week or at the end of the sermon, is we're going to give you one, two, or maybe three questions. Because what we kind of want to do is, what I want to do is each word that we talk about, like I want that to be your word of the week. Your word of the week. And so like, for example, we're going to talk about shalom today, which is translated peace. I want peace to be your word this week. And then we're going to give you guys like two or three questions to think about so that you can help have more peace in, in the way that we're talking about in your life 
and extend that peace to other people, okay? So uh, when I show them, you can write them down, or if you follow us on social media, you, you'll find the questions on Instagram or on our Facebook page. And as we do this, I think that in the next four weeks, as we talk about these four things, these four words, they're not just simply words and ideas, but they are what Jesus brought to the world in his birth. And what he brought were these four words that the world desperately needed them. And there are words that the world knew, but Jesus came and he was born and he redefined them. And he showed, okay, this is what you think about peace. Let me show you what real peace is like. This is what you think about love. Let me show you what real love is like. He redefined them, but he also at the same time empowered them. He empowered these words and made these words living and active and powerful because he embodied them in the way he lived. And when we look at Jesus, we see these four words. So this is what we're going to do over the next four weeks, talk about these four words. They were peace, hope, joy, and love. I don't know if it's going to be in that order. Pastor Jonathan has to decide what he wants to do next week. I don't know. It's a gamble. So, so you guys will be surprised. You can look forward to that next week. Which word is he going to pick next week? I don't know. We, nobody knows. It's going to be crazy. So uh, let's have a word of prayer, and let's get into today's first word. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, so much for each person in this room. I especially thank you for the chance to, to share this message, Lord. Um, I got, God, I just ask that you be present in this place, Father, and that you just speak to us and help us to hear what we need to hear. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So our first word is the word shalom, which is translated peace. Like I said, you guys probably know what peace is. If you ask anybody and look at the definition, the dictionary definition of peace, peace is essentially the absence of conflict. I have peace when I have no conflict in my life. When me and my family are good, me and my friends are good, my coworkers, my boss, like we're all good, I have peace. But let me ask you a question. Is it possible to have an absence of conflict but not have peace in your life? Is it possible to have no conflict but you don't have peace? peace. Yes, right? Absolutely, right? You guys are all great people. I know most of you, and you are fantastic, and I'm pretty sure nobody hates you. I'm pretty sure that you have no problems with other people. I'm sure that you're great at home. You're a great father, great mother, great kid, great friend. Like, everyone loves you. You know, at school, the teachers love you. Your coworkers love you. I'm sure that you guys have real, no real conflicts in your life, but I would argue that I bet there's still some of you that still feel like you lack peace. Like everything's going well. And maybe you've had those moments where you're thinking, why do I feel this way? Like everything's great in my life. Like I have a great family. I have a great job. I'm killing it at work. I got a, it was a banner year. I made the most money that I've had, that I've made in, in, in the years past. Like my kids are doing well. I have great friends. I got a great church. But why do I feel anxious? Why am I waking up with my heart pounding? Why am I worried? Why am I stressed when I just have, I got everything, man. Like, I got everything. Like, what, what more do I want? Yet, something is missing. Now, I wonder if anyone can relate to that, that feeling or that, that experience in life. Because I do think, yes, peace as an absence of conflict, just because I'm not in conflict with anyone doesn't mean I have peace. And what I want to argue today 
is that what I think we actually want, what we actually long for as human beings is not peace, but shalom. It's not, what we're really looking for is not simply peace as an absence of conflict. What we really want, guys, and, and I'm making an assumption about you, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. What you really long for is shalom. And now you guys are like, what is shalom? Glad you asked. Let me tell you what shalom is. We're going to learn about what this idea of shalom really means. And it's a rich word. And I love this word. And I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this. Because shalom is, is deep. It is multifaceted. It's not simply like peace or just like one thing. And so we have to look at a couple different verses to figure out what shalom really is. Okay? So here's a couple verses. And at first you're going to read them and you're going to be like, there's, there's no peace in there. Like the word peace is not in these verses. But in the Hebrew, the word shalom is there. So I'm a, I want you guys, as you, hear, as you read them, think about like what word in this could actually be the shalom word. And it's going to be like kind of odd, right? But here, let's, the first verse is Joshua chapter 8, verse 31. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites, he built it according to what was written in the book of the law of Moses. An altar is what he built of uncut stones on which no iron tool had ever been used. On it they offered the Lord burnt offerings and, and sacrificed fellowship offerings. In this verse, what is the shalom word? There's no word of peace like, what are we talking about? He's talking about building an altar. He's not a construction project. Why does peace have anything to do with construction projects? Why would peace or, or shalom have anything to do with this? What, what word would be the shalom word? The word is uncut. The word shalom is translated in this verse as uncut, an uncut stone where no tool has been used on it. Strange, right? Like, that's weird. Okay, let's keep going. You will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. Job is talking about his stuff. He's saying, I know that my tent is secure because I look around and all my stuff is there. Nothing is missing. What do you think is the shalom word? It's the word secure. Again, no peace. So what are we talking about here? One last verse, one last verse. Exodus chapter 22. This has to do with um, some of the laws and policy of the Old Testament. So in the book of Exodus, there are some fantastic stories there. But there is a part of it where it talks about like policies and laws and how to live. And this one is like, what happens if someone steals from you? And then you find out. And then you confront them, and then you, open, you knock on the door, and you open the door, and you see the stuff that they stole, like, sitting in their living room. Like, what are you supposed to do, right? Like, they stole a sheep or a goat, and you're walking by one day, and you're like, man, I can't believe someone stole my sheep and goat. And then you hear, bah, and you're like, wait, I know that, bah. And you look, and your sheep and your goat is in someone else's pen. And you knock on the door, like, and you yell at them, thief, you know, what do you do in that situation? What needs to happen? Because you're going to want to kill them, right? You're going to want to beat them. You're going to want to steal from them. But th there's a rule and a policy that applies to the situation. And it's in Exodus chapter 22, verse 4. It says, if the stolen animal is found alive in their possession, whether ox or donkey or sheep, they must pay back double. What's the shalom word here? It's payback. So, so in these few verses, these strange verses, the word shalom is translated uncut for an uncut stone, a secure camp where nothing is missing, and this idea of paying back what you had stolen and what you owe. 
It has nothing to do with absence of conflict, right? So, so we, we can know from the get-go that the Bible's understanding of shalom is different than our normal, typical American English understanding of peace. To put it simply, the best way to understand shalom is completeness or wholeness. This is shalom. Completeness or wholeness. So, going back to those verses, the stone is uncut. It hasn't been broken. There's no damage. It's whole and complete, so the stone is uncut. Your tent, your camp, is, is, is whole and complete because nothing is missing. When someone steals from you, they have to pay you back to pay back what, you, what they owe you and what they stole from you so that you are now complete and whole. Does that make sense? So shalom is not just about everything is fine in my life. Like Shalom is not just about I don't have any problems with people. It's about that I am on the inside complete and whole. There's this deep personal side of, of shalom as well. In, uh, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's a story of David. David, the guy who, um, who defeated Goliath, right? Like that guy. When he was a kid, he goes to the camp where his brothers are in the army, and he goes to meet them. And, and he meets them to bring them food and to basically check up on them and ask them, how are you doing? How are they doing? How are, are you guys okay? Is how it's translated in the English Bible. But literally, David is kind of saying, hey, brothers, how is your shalom? How is your shalom? Right, which is actually a way better question than how are you doing? Or goes to how are you doing? Ah, fine. How are you doing? Good. The question of shalom, how is your shalom, it takes all of you as a complete person. How are you relationally, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, how are you financially? This whole thing, that's shalom. And to be complete and a whole is the experience you have when you, are, when you have shalom. And so it's a deeper idea than just simply peace. And that's why I think what we really long for is not peace, but what? Shalom. I think that's what we really want. Like we're not just trying to go through life like not having problems and not having conflict with other people. Like, I don't think you guys are walking around like, if I can just not fight with people, I'm fine. Well, maybe, maybe you are, and maybe you need to see me after this, and maybe we can pray or something. But I feel like most people, you want more than that. You want more than just the absence of conflict in your life. I, I would argue what you want is completeness, wholeness. You want to walk through life feeling complete. And you're tired of walking through life feeling like something is missing. You're tired of going to work, and you're tired of fighting with your kids, and you're tired of going to school feeling like you are running on empty because something is just missing in your life. And you know that if I could just have that thing, whatever it is, I would be fine. That it doesn't really matter what happens in my life as long as I have all I need, if, as long as I am a whole person, I'll be okay and I can deal with that. I think that's what we're really longing for. And when Jesus was born, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, he ushered this new understanding of peace that we can now have access to. So what I want to do for the rest of the series, or for the rest of today's message, is I want to make just three observations about shalom based on kind of what we're talking about. 
And then, uh, and then we're going to close, and then I'm going to give you guys the questions, and then we'll be out of here. So the first observation I want to make about shalom versus peace is that peace is about absence, while shalom is about presence, right? Because talk about wholeness and completeness. You have to have, be filled with stuff. So peace is about absence, while shalom is about presence. Peace is the absence of war. Shalom is the presence of victory. You see, I was a little bit different. Peace is the absence of, of conflict, where shalom is the presence of reconciliation. Peace deals with what you don't have. Shalom deals with what you do have. And it deals with what, and this is the big question, what fills your life? What is present in your life? What is present in your mind and in your heart? Like, what have you filled your life with? That's what shalom deals with. It doesn't necessarily deal with just, like, the absence of stuff. And I would argue that actually focusing on presence and shalom is a much more practical and better way to live. And the reason I say this is because most of us we have no choice and no control over what is absent in our lives or, 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 or creating absence in our lives, which I know doesn't make sense. Here, here, let me explain what I mean. Most of the things that take away our peace, most of the things that bring conflict into our lives, we have no choice but to deal with them. Right? The things that cause us anxiety, the things that cause us these problems, the things that bring conflict, like other people and jobs and annoying people and, and all that stuff, and homework and, and assignments and, and people disappointing us and your parents, like you really, you really have no choice in the matter. Right? So let me give you guys an example. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yesterday, Friday, it was a bad day at the Chong household. It was a bad, bad day. You know, we have those. I definitely had it, all right? And I don't need to go into the gory details. I don't want, if you want to know, I'll tell you. It's, it's fun, but it's not really fun. But I'll tell you, there were, there were tears, some of them from children, some of them from adults. Um, there, were, there was some yelling. There was some shouting. There was some throw up. Um, it was a bad day. And it ended with my five-year-old son, Miles, saying, this is the worst Friday ever. And mom and dad saying, I agree with you. It was a bad, bad day. Now, in that situation, my kid's going crazy. Hazel's constantly hungry, constantly asking for food. We're like, we just fed you. How can we feed you more? You know, in that situation, if I'm thinking about peace as absence, what's the simplest solution? Let me just get rid of my kids. Right? That's the simplest solution. If I'm looking for peace, the absence of conflict, let me just get rid of my kids. So anyone want to take my kids? Take them. Take them. Have them forever, you know? Like that, that's the solution if I'm thinking about how can I have peace? How can I deal with the, what, what, how do I get rid of the things in my life that are causing me stress or pain or, 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 or lack of peace or anxiety? Like, but I can't do that, right? I can't, Right? Right? I can't do that. I can't just get rid of my kids. You can't just get rid of your kids. You can't just get rid of your brother or your sister that is so annoying. You can't. You can't just get rid of them. You, I don't know why some people are laughing real hard. You got some issues. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't just change jobs all the time. You can't get rid of your boss. 
right? Like you can't, you have no choice. We have very little control over the things that actually causes conflict and tension in our lives. No matter how much you don't want it, you don't really have control. You have no control over who your boss is. You have no control over who your coworkers are. You have no control of who is in your class. You have no control of what people will say to you or what they will say about you. You have no control over that, but you have control. You have control over what you fill your life with. You have a choice of what is present in your life. And this is why I think it's much better to think of shalom versus just simply peace. Because peace says, let me just get rid of stuff. Let me just cut out these relationships that are uncomfortable now. But presence says, let me fill my life with something better and deeper so I can deal with all the things that I have no control over. Because conflict is going to come. No matter how old you are, conflict is going to come. Tension is going to come. Difficult people are going to come and enter your life no matter what. You cannot stop it, but you can focus on what am I filled with so that I can better respond and deal with all the things that bring me this tension and conflict. And I would argue that it's better, it's better to be filled and whole when you deal with those things that you have no control over rather than being empty or incomplete. So that's my first observation about shalom. It's not about absence, it's about presence. It's about what are you filling your life with? And how is it impacting the way you respond to the uncontrollable things in your life? The second observation, if this is true, right? If this is true, if shalom is about presence, if what we really long for is shalom, like completeness and wholeness, rather than, rather than uh, uh, abs- avoidance of conflict or absence of conflict. And this is like, when I, when, I, when I thought about this and when God gave it to me, I was like, oh man, that's actually huge. The second observation, if that's true, the second observation is this, is that a lack of peace in our lives is because of a lack of wholeness in our lives. It's actually not because of the people or the things or the circumstances or the situation. The reason why we don't have peace, the reason why we we walk around thinking, I have everything I need, yet why do I feel this way, is not because of your external circumstances. It's not because of your job. It's not because of your family. It's not because of your crazy kids. It's not because your kids are crazy and your husband is not helping out enough. It's not because you're you're living paycheck to paycheck. These are real problems, guys. I know that. These are real issues and very difficult. But if I lack peace, it's not because of all these things, because number one, you can't change that. You have no control over that. Those things are going to come no matter what. It's because I lack wholeness. I lack shalom. I'm feeling incomplete. Something is missing in my life. And so if you were able to to be filled in such a way where you can say that you feel whole, you feel shalom, then when the bills come, then when the storms come, then when the people come, you'll be fine. And you will maintain that peace regardless because it's not about that. It's about what your life is filled with. 
So the second observation is, is really this idea that a lack of peace in my life is because of a lack of wholeness in my life. And maybe you felt this. Like when you were like, when you were like stressed out of your mind, when you were like breaking down, when you were crying, and, and this was like the 10th time, you thought in your mind, what, what did you think? You thought, there's something wrong with this. Like there's something wrong with this situation, right? Like there's something missing in my life that's making me act and respond like this. And I'm not saying this to judge anyone or say it's your fault and you're the problem because in so many ways we are all broken people. We're all sinners like Charlene was saying. We, are all, we all lack this wholeness and completeness in our lives. And oftentimes that is the reason why we snap at our kids. Let's be honest, that's tough. That's tough to hear as a parent, right? Because what I'm saying to you is it's not actually your kids. It's you. And it's me. It's something's going on with me, and I'm responding to my children in that way. Or to my wife, or to my husband, or to my friends. Like the stress, yes, it's stressful, but I don't have to let it get to me like that. If I was complete. If I was you don't have to let all the things that want to steal and destroy your peace, you don't have to let it actually destroy your peace. You can be whole. And if you are whole, these things will not be able to destroy or take away your peace. Now, what I said so far, like, for me, I, I feel like it's true. I feel like it's compelling, right? And like, regardless of where you are in your life, like, I feel like this is something like, yeah, like, I can see that. Like, I lack that, and, and I want to be whole. And, and if you're a person, and, and you're not really a church person, and you're not really a Bible person, like, that's good enough, right? And you get to decide. If you're not really a church person or a Bible person or a Jesus person, you get to decide what you fill your life with. You get to do that. You get to decide, okay, I'm feeling like I'm not very whole, let me decide and figure out what I need to fill my life with so that I can be whole. You get to decide that. If you're a Christian, if you're like, go to church and you believe in God, you don't really get to choose. And I'm gonna tell you, tell you guys what it is later that we, are, we must fill our lives with if you're a Christian, but if you're not, you can pick whatever. Like, you can pick money to fill complete your life with. You can use possessions. You can use fame. You can pick respect. You can, can pick a house or clothes or cars. You can pick admiration from people. Like you, you can pick whatever you want. You could pick your status. You could pick your job. You could pick whatever. But whatever you choose, whatever you choose to choose, I just want you to ask the question about that thing. And even if you are a Christian, maybe you are doing this. Maybe you have chosen to fill your life, to, to seek wholeness through those, kind, those means. And if you are, just, I just want you to ask the question. I'm not judging you about that. Just ask the question, will this thing really make me whole? Okay, just, just ask that question about the thing. If it's like, all right, it's just money. If I had enough money, I would feel whole and complete. Ask yourself, will money really actually Make me whole. Think about it. Will more friends, will more admiration, or more people envying me, will that make me whole? Will knowing that people are saying really nice things about me and people like me a lot, will that make me 
whole. Just, just ask that question and, and respond honestly to that, that question. Now, as we shift to the third observation, um, we're getting into more like if, if, let's just get there, let's just get there. Okay, so as we look at the third observation of shalom, I want to look back at a verse that, that is 700 years before Jesus' birth. Um, 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet named Isaiah wrote these words. And he wrote these words in a time where he was predicting and they knew that in just a few years they were going to be conquered. So this is like a rough time, right? Like It's like that waiting period where you know something bad is going to happen. Like you're at the doctor's office and you know you're going to get a shot that day. And you're like, uh, right? That feeling. Or when you know you bombed the test and you're waiting to get the test back. You know that feeling? Right? Like Isaiah is kind of in that place. But God gives him a, 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 a foreshadowing of the future to comfort him. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this person is coming, this child, and he will be king, and his government will be on his shoulders, and it's going to be fantastic. And of the greatness of his government and peace, shalom, there will be no 700 years before Jesus is born, this prophet writes that there's going to be someone coming and he is going to bring shalom. Shalom. And then later we have this story in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus is born. And these angels appear to these shepherds to tell them about what's happening. And it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock and that may be a familiar story to you if you grew up in church hearing, you know, the, the, the Christmas story. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, which makes sense. Uh, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born, the Messiah, who he talked about in Isaiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace to those whom, on whom his favor rests. The peace here is the Greek word irene, which is a translation of shalom. Peace on earth is shalom on earth. It's not absence of conflict, it's completeness and wholeness on earth. And so for, for the ancient writers, when they thought about, man, we need to be whole, we need shalom, they, they knew that shalom would not happen with, because of something. The ancient writers, when they, when they thought about the Messiah, it wasn't a concept, it wasn't an ideology, it wasn't a way of thinking, it wasn't a culture, it wasn't a denomination that would bring wholeness or peace or shalom to the world. What was it? See, what they understood was that, this is my third observation, is that shalom is not about the presence of something, shalom is about the presence of someone. 
It's not about an idea or a concept or an ideology or information or education or denomination. It's about a person. And Isaiah says there is a person coming who will bring wholeness to this world. The ancient writers saw the Messiah as the one to make this world whole. And for the guys who lived with him and, and walked with him and, and, and lived life for three and a half years with him, who saw him eat and drink, who saw him interact with people and saw him perform miracles and who saw him die, but then three days later come back to life and then talk and then hang out and eat breakfast together. For those guys, the original d- disciples, that person was Jesus. And they said that Jesus is now the one who will bring wholeness to this world. And he'll bring completeness to this world because he's brought wholeness and completeness to me. And it's not that Jesus came and there was no more conflict. Right? Clearly not. There's clearly conflict still in this world. There's conflict then. It got really bad then. It got really bad for a long time. And we still have issues and we still have problems. So, so, so Jesus did not come to bring the absence of conflict. He came to bring shalom. He came to show us how to actually be complete and whole. And he showed us by the way he lived and what he taught that wholeness or completeness does not come from money and wealth and status and position and influence and power. That wholeness and completeness did not come from the possession of many things. It did not come from the admiration of other people. That the wholeness and completeness did not come from having lots of friends or being popular or having likes and subscribes. He's taught, he taught us when Jesus came to this earth and he lived and he taught and he did miracles and he died. He showed us that, that wholeness and completeness comes from a life of love, of service, of humility, of other-centeredness. And he came on this earth to say, you guys got it wrong, man. You guys are looking for love. You are looking for wholeness and completeness in all the wrong places. Let me show you. Let me live that life for you, and I'll show you how to be whole. And if you and you and you and all of you and all of you and all these people and this country and this nation, if we were all able to live in that way, guess what? We'll have peace on earth. We can have shalom. And as he lived and taught on this planet, one of the things he said to us, to his disciples and to the people around him, from John chapter 14, peace, Irene, shalom, I leave with you. My peace, my shalom, I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus' shalom is being offered to you today. Jesus' sense of wholeness and completeness is available to you today. It's not just about peace and absence of conflict, absence of tension. Jesus wants you to be whole. And he's saying, I can make you whole. So, As we think about this word, shalom and peace, this week, 
I want, I really want you, even, even if you don't come back to church next week, even if you don't join us online next week, like I want this word peace to be in your minds, to be your word of the week. Even if you don't believe in God, even if you don't like, don't care, like peace is a good thing, right? Like everyone wants peace. Everyone wants this idea of completeness or wholeness. Whatever it is, just think about it. This is the word of the week. And here are the questions. How is my shalom? What can I do to be more whole? And how can I help someone else to be whole? Because let me unpack these really quick. First question is, how is my shalom? Like when you wake up in the morning and you're driving to work or you're going to school, just stop for a moment and ask, not how am I doing? Is how am I in terms of wholeness and completeness? That's a way better question to ask yourselves. How is my shalom? Second question is, what can I do to be more whole? Like think about what can you do in your life? What can you do that day or what can you stop doing that day to be more whole? And you get to decide, like I don't know what that is. Nobody knows what that is, but you know what that is. Maybe it, ne- it means you need to do something different. Maybe it means you need to cut something out of your schedule. Right? What, what, what do I need to do to be more whole? And the last question is, how can I help someone else to be whole? This is a powerful, powerful idea. You have the ability that when someone walks away from you, they can feel more whole than they were before. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Someone who is feeling incomplete can walk to you, walk up to you, talk with you, interact with you, walk away and say, I feel more whole now that I've talked to that person. That's amazing. That is the power of shalom. As Jesus came and was shalom for us and puts his shalom in us, we can go now then and share the shalom with others. That's crazy. That's amazing. So how, so how can you help someone to be more whole this week? When you're having a conversation, what can I say that will add something to their life to make them feel more whole? What can I do for someone that will not just make them happy, not just make them feel good, but what can I say, what can I do to add value to their lives in such a way where they would feel actually more whole as a human being? You have that power, and God has given you that power. So I want you guys to think about these three questions. Again, you can write them down, or uh, if not, they're going to be on our Instagram, be on our Facebook, and you, know, you can remind yourself that way to think about these three questions this week. And then next week, whatever word we do, we'll offer uh, a couple more questions to help that become your word of the week. So uh, as we conclude, you know, I just want to encourage you guys, think about your, your wholeness. How is your shalom? How's your shalom? How whole are you feeling today? And what can you do today to be more whole? And when we break from here and you go to lunch and and you go hang out, what can you do to help other people be more whole? This is what God wants for you. He wants you to be complete and whole. He's come to this earth. He was born on this earth to show us what peace is really about. And he says, my peace, my shalom, I give to you. Let's pray. Gracious God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this message. Um, I know for me, this is kind of the first time I got to really like, explore the idea of shalom. And man, it's just such a powerful idea. And I know for my life, I want it. 
uh, I want to be more complete. I want to be more whole. I want to have more of you in my life because I think that's the way it's going to happen. Um, and I, I would love to be a person who, who brings that to others. So, Father, for, for anyone in this room who is, is hearing this, I pray, God, that you would um, put a burden on their heart, Lord, that they would not leave this church, you know, unchanged, but that they would sense a need to be filled with something else. Because what we long for, Lord, is not just peace, I think. I think what we long for is shalom. Thank you, God, for, for coming to this earth and showing this to us. In your name we pray, amen.